You are listening to episode 93 of Two Views Movies podcast on John Wick, chapter 3, Parabellum. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri, by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And it's, a, it's an exciting day. John Wick 3. I can't wait. Yeah, John Wick 3, Parabola. Parabola. <laughs> you know, I, you'll probably get this because you're a history nerd, but everybody was so confused by what Parabellum meant, and I was like, well... It's the opposite of antebellum. Does nobody remember, you know, the antebellum period after the Civil War? Like, I don't know. I I was so confused why people didn't get that. Well, I knew what parabellum meant, but I did not make the connection that you did for the Civil War. Oh man, I thought you'd be all over that. No, I didn't. I didn't go there, but I already knew what it meant. You know, comics does a lot of uses a lot of things like that. So I think that's where I pick up certain words. Yeah, that but, makes sense. But. uh yeah, they they laid it out for you though in the middle. You, you were waiting for it, and then he gave it to you. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, I just figured you being a history buff, you usually are more into history than I am. So I, I just assumed that you would have you'd have registered that one. I'm, I'm disappointed. We're off to a bad start. <laughs> I didn't know you were going Civil War on me. <laughs> hey, come on, John Wick, gun, Civil War. What what was there not to connect? Well, see, I mean, well, see, I'm more I'm more ancient history. You know, I I, <laughs> I, I come all the way up to about World War II, and then then that's when you lose me there. <laughs> well, th- this is John Wick's march to the sea, so we will we will cover this in, in great detail. And yes, I do realize that that covered the Civil War. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't call me out on that but yes yeah I know I let it slide I was like alright well I already you know tripped you up with the antebellum I was not gonna call you out on the on the specific dates I mean a little bit of a backstory right like uh, before we get into anything else um, you and I saw John Wick 1 together yeah and I, I don't know how much you remember around those circumstances like it was totally flying under our radar uh, I mean, I love Keanu, but I don't think I'd you know ever really paid much attention. I mean, let's let's be honest. I love Keanu, but his filmography is just extremes, right? It, there is heaping mounds of trash in there, and then there's a lot of good stuff. And I don't think the trailers did it a lot of justice. But then you and I saw like scores rolling in about this, you know, gunfighting Keanu Reeves movie, and we're like, oh, okay, well, I guess we got to go see this. Well, you were all about it. I mean, you were. You're married to Keanu since The Matrix. I mean, that he locked you in. Yeah, that's true. And, and so you were on cloud nine, and I was very skeptical because of Keanu and the fact that you were so excited. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if you've listened to the show long enough, you, you know that if one of us is usually hyped about something, the other one's like, oh, Jesus, okay, well, I got <laughs> to ratchet it down a few levels now, which it shouldn't be. There are some movies where we both get hyped for it, and it's fine, but there's a lot of times we have the adverse effect. But yeah, I mean, we were we were completely blown away by John Wick when we when we walked out. I think I think we even felt the same about John Wick 2. Like, okay, yeah, it's it's good. It's solid. Maybe not as great as the first one, but I mean, yeah, sure, we're here for, you know, shooting people in the head over and over again in this world that they created like yeah that's cool 
you know, one to the chest, one to the head. I just love how methodical it, methodically he moves through, you know, both first and second movie. Yeah, no question. So now, you know, we're sitting here and this has been building up. John Wick has been on our calendar for a while. I've been super excited to see it. So, uh, would you have said yeah. this was your most anticipated movie? Oh, of the year? Of the year. No, I mean, I'd be lying if I said that. I mean, it, when you when you're staring at 2019 with uh, Endgame and Star Wars Episode Nine, I mean, who would I? I mean, it's up there for me personally, but I mean, there's there's no way it could compare. I don't know. I feel like those are out of obligation, but this one I felt like was the top of your list. I mean, yeah, it's up there. I mean, it's it's a great action series. I love everything about it. I, I love the actors in it. I love the choreography. So it's just completely right up my alley. But yeah, I could I could not, in good conscience, put that above uh, in game or Star Wars as much as I would want to. I, I'd be ridiculous if it was the twenty second John Wick movie. It would have creeped past Endgame and Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I am hoping for 22 John Wick movies. I mean, make these until Keanu <laughs> cannot walk anymore. We put him in a wheelchair and he'll still take people out. Well, shoot, Liam Neeson's, what, 70 and he's still doing it, so. Yeah, exactly. So there's no reason to ever end these movies. Just keep pumping them out. <laughs> you want to give us our breakdown here? <laughs> yeah, I'll give us a breakdown. Uh, in this third installment of the adrenaline-fueled action franchise, super assassin John Wick returns with a $14 million price tag on his head and an army of bounty hunting killers on his trail. After killing a member of the shadowy International Assassins Guild, the High Table, John Wick is excommunicado, but the world's most ruthless hitmen and women await his every turn. Directed by Chad Stahelski, who did John Wick 1 and 2 and is... Famous for being uh, Keanu's stunt coordinator back in the Matrix days. Stars Keanu, which we already talked about, Halle Berry, Ian McShane, Larry Fishburne, Angelica Houston, Mark Dacascos. And then I had to throw this in, Yayan Ruyan and Sisip Arif Rockman, the two people from the Raid 1 and Raid 2, which I was, of course, thrilled to see when they showed up on screen because I didn't know they were there. And that's always a good sign. Unless you're talking Force Awakens. Yeah, which for half a second they're in the movie. Yeah, exactly. But you're just going to gloss over that you call him Larry Fishburne? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to roll with Larry. I mean, that, that's what he was in uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Pee-wee's so he's, Playhouse. he's Larry today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I should mention before we get into this, do you know where I saw John Wick 3? No. I saw it at Blue Springs 8. There you go. I know. Made it out there on opening night. Uh, there was actually a decent amount of people there for a Thursday night, but got in one of the recliner seats, got uh, some Sour Patch Kids, which I usually do, and a bottle of water, and I was I was good to go. I had a good time out at Miller 8 watching this. You are a Sour Patch Kid guy. I don't I don't get that. I'm a I'm a peanut M Ms or peanut butter M I'm a chocolate, you know, and uh, and you always get the sweet, gross stuff. Yeah, so see, I like peanut butter M&M's and peanut M&M's. My problem is if I eat too much chocolate, I get physically sick, whereas I can uh, gorge myself on Sour Patch Kids, and I I don't get sick on that for some reason. So it's just a matter of self-preservation during a movie. Maybe that's what happened during Hellboy. (laughs) What, you or me? sick, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Among other things. (laughs) All right, so let's get into this. I mean, the movie just hits the ground running. I mean, both in terms of like plot and action. I mean, it picks up exactly where John Wick 2 leaves off, which is where he's excommunicado. And it picks up right where Winston gives him an hour 
to kind of get out of here and we're inside that hour and wicks on the run but i mean broadly speaking that first 20 or 30 minutes it just goes straight action with all the different mechanisms that john wick can do to kill and stay alive it was i mean i loved no, it i know you're chomping at the bit to jump into these first two action scenes but i want to stop you before you get there okay excommunicado what does that mean to you he's kicked out he's kicked out but does that require everyone to kill him if they see him or just not help no. him? No. Excommunicado means he is not allowed to have any of the services um, that the world offers him, whether that's gold coins or uh, protection at the hotels. He does not, he's not in the group of assassins and therefore is not afforded protection or anything like that. It does not mean... I think it means that they can kill him probably without any repercussions, but it doesn't mean that he has, he, he has to be killed. I think it just means uh, that only came from the open bounties on his head. Cause uh, Larry Fishburne mentioned, you know, I thought a contract was optional. And then she says something about excommunicado. And I just, it just made me, or somewhere in there, it made me think that it's your, if somebody is, then you have to, attempt to kill him you can't just ignore it or something i felt like it had a different different take on what their rules were once he got kicked out well my my take on that and i have to see it again was that she was calling fishburn out for not killing john wick when he had the opportunity and he's like well contracts are optional so he can't help him but he's not obligated to kill him i think is the line that that old larry was walking in this from the second movie. Yes. Yeah. So, but he helped him, help him try to kill a member of the high table. So that's why he yes. got his seven cuts. Yes, exactly. Okay. Which God only knows how he survived those seven cuts, but he did. <laughs> well, yeah. The, uh, let's, let's go back. Sorry. Back where you okay. left, left me off. So we are excommunicado <laughs> and we are under an hour. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, I, I really liked the uh, the scene with the doctor where he's because that really played into like the whole you know you can't help them anymore because he's stitching him up. He's got five minutes to get them all stitched up, and then as soon as the five minute or the, you know the hour passes, right, he has to stop immediately, and he you know lets him finish up his own stitches, and uh, but you know then he points out the medicine and then realizes that he's got to got to be shot so that it's believable. But I really just it's those small touches on like all the rules and what it means to be a part of this world that really make John wick above and beyond just the action scenes. Yeah. That they, they'll know that I pointed you the right to medication, you know? Yeah. And, and that one shot wasn't enough to believe. <laughs> right. But you know, then you could also say, you know, he shot him in these specific places. If they're that good. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of works both ways, right? Because then if they come in and find out that you survived two shots by John Wick and he's like, like well, John Wick's good enough that if he wanted you dead, he would have killed he you. He shot but you I guess in the, the shoulder. I don't believe that. Yeah. But that would also, I mean, he's just trying to prove that he didn't necessarily help him by will. So that, that could be John being like, oh, I don't want to kill you, but I'm going to disable you for a bit. Okay, I'm in. What did you think of the uh, library fight to start out with? The library fight? Uh, I liked it. It felt like he I'm trying to I'm trying to run through it. There was something about it that his punches weren't affecting him. 
uh, the, weren't affecting the big guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was doing this weird thing where he was holding the book up and punching the book, which was an interesting way of going about fighting somebody. Which increases, you know, the force if you use a book. <laughs> of course. No, I think it was, okay, I think I remember now. It was the the giant guy wasn't punching him. He was just getting punched. The, yeah. He wasn't fighting back quite like I thought he would. Yeah, the the giant guy, I mean, you could tell he's a, a giant guy. I mean, he's an NBA player from the, the Sixers, and he's not much for acting or probably uh, stunt fighting. So they, they did the best that they could, but I really like how they are. So in, in John Wick 1, they talk about how he killed guys with a pencil, and then in John Wick 2, you get to see him kill guys with a pencil. And then now it's almost like, okay, what other weird objects can we use to show just how crazy deathly john wick is so we're gonna give him a book and then he just like smashes his neck over the edge of that book it's just it's so cool well he shoves it in his mouth and i feel like he broke his <laughs> <That> jaw <laughs> he broke his jaw first and then he smashed his head yeah. yeah either way i mean who knew how much damage you could cause with a book from the library <laughs> and so that, that and then that takes us right to the so we still had time because he attacked him early he said who, yes. who will know and then he runs out of time Oh, because he get there. There was that was before the doctor, because he got. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I went in the wrong order. I started talking about the world building, and I I led with that before the action. But you're right that he he fights that guy because he gets stabbed in the shoulder, and that's why he goes to the doctor. Right, right. But so after the doctor, he goes into this museum. Uh, yeah, like, antique store the, museum. I don't know something like that where all these uh-huh. cutting. I didn't understand what he was doing with the gun, other than trying to find a way, trying to find a gun that bullet fit. Yeah, my guess, my take on that scene was that he needed a weapon and he tried to pick up a gun and use the bullet, but then he, the bullet wouldn't fit in the gun. So then he was disassembling the guns and trying to reassemble them to get one, at least one bullet in the gun so that he could get one shot off and then go take that guy's gun and start using it. That was my take on the scene. But I felt like he took apart like five different guns when yeah i, felt, I think I he did like i think there was, he was a row of bullets there that he could have just found the right bullet <laughs> it wouldn't have been as cool of a no, scene, but i didn't know what he was doing yeah i agree and all, all for one shot when the first guy comes through yeah a perfect shot and then he i don't even think he went and got the gun though either after he took no, that guy no down. he did not because they ran into the knife scene which i think is one of the coolest scenes of the of the movie was them fighting with uh you know breaking the glass and throwing the knives at each other yeah, that was my favorite fight scene of the whole movie. Yeah, uh, that was pretty good. I liked, my favorite thing about it, though, is, and this kind of ripples through all the John Wick movies, and especially this one, but the realism of it where not every knife throw hit. Like, all of a sudden, they went through this phase where, like, the handles were just hitting off of them, which was so hilarious. Like, it, it, it's not funny, but, like, how many times have you ever seen that happened in an action movie and not played to like comedic effect. Right. It's like, I can, I can pinpoint hit you with these knives, but then all of a sudden like the handles are just bouncing off. It was such a great touch. Yeah, that was good. And then him with the, uh, stabbing him in the eye. Oh, I <laughs> got some groans in my theater slowly yeah. in the eye. But then right after that was the ax that he threw across the, the room to the, mm-hmm. to the guy who is barely alive. Did yep. uh, people laugh in your theater? Um, I think it got kind of like the weird, oh, like a, like a, oh, that's cool, but chuckle kind of thing. Like, I think that's what happened. Every, I think everyone in my theater laughed except for my wife. And she was like, 
Why are people laughing at that? He's <laughs> <This guy laughs> got an axe thrown through his head. <laughs> I mean, it, that's what I mean. It's like it's subtle humor in this movie that just plays certain ways that is is really funny because, yeah, I mean, should an axe throw to somebody's head really be funny? No, but he's just going through all these guys, taking out, you know, seven, eight guys with knives, and then there's this one guy barely breathing just sitting there. He's like, I'm not even going to let that guy live, and he just axe throws it across. Like, I think if it had been a regular knife, it wouldn't have done anything, but I think just something about the double axe, you know, double handle axe throw across just it makes it funny. No, I love it. I love axes, so that that did it for me. I did like how he turned that one guy into like a pin cushion. He just sat there and just like peppered him at the end and it just like knife after knife just sticking in there. Yeah, that was that was definitely a brutal, brutal start to the, the movie. Cause it just got yep. you in right there. Oh, I know. And then it what? It keeps going because you then you get into is it the horse yeah. the horse right after that? <laughs> yeah. He starts walking through the stable. Yeah, I mean Again, it's like they're just coming up with all these ridiculously creative ways to get kills. You know, he the guy walks behind the horse and Wick slaps him, and then he just boots the guy halfway across, and he does that to like three or four guys. So I, I love the creativity of uh, of this series because it's like they they are trying to push themselves into finding new ways of of having action scenes. And I mean, who would have thought like with a horse would would actually work as well as it did? But it did. Well, and the effects on the horse were a little little off, but uh, as soon as he walked into the stable, I was like, okay, are, are we just going to go from room to room of random room? I get, We're in the middle of New York, and there's a, a horse stable, I guess, and <laughs> we're just going to go room to room, and he's going to find different weapons. I thought he was going to use a horseshoe, going to use you know, maybe a pitchfork, you know, something like that, but he used the horses themselves. That caught me off guard. Yeah, I had no idea either. I, I, I figured that we would have something like that, but I did not expect it to be used kind of over and over again. And I actually thought that like it would come into play while he was riding the horse. I didn't expect the fight to stay in the stables as long as it did. Yeah, no, that that was a good one too. But both times the horse did look fake when they kicked him because how are you going to do that? Right. And I I didn't really catch that. Like I I know somebody else had said that too. That the CGI around the horse didn't look all that good. But I I didn't catch that. The the CGI that stood out to me a little bit more was the the motorcycle chase. Uh, I thought it was a little bit more apparent there. I, I actually didn't even notice it at all in the the horse fight. Yeah, I think uh, I actually I didn't notice it at all during the motorcycle ca- chase. It was just the huh. it it kicking. Oh, okay. I think it was, I don't know if it was it kicking or just the guy's, the guy's reaction to getting kicked. One of those two just looked off. Yeah, it, it did. It kind of reminded me of in John Wick 1 where he gets hit by a car and kind of goes flying across. It had that kind of effect to it. So, I mean, I clearly knew it was an effect, but it didn't really, didn't really bother me. Yeah. So then, yeah, then running down the street, fighting, fighting guys with swords on a horse. No. Wrong. No, the, the. Yeah, he basically just takes the horse once he gets out running and gets away. The the, the swords comes on the, the motorcycle the later motorcycle. on. <laughs> just going from action scene to action scene. We're just fantastic. Yeah, it really is. I love that they know what this series is and they just commit to it. But I also love that you get uh, the world building that we talked about. Like, you know, uh, he ends up making his way to Angelica Houston, who is, I think, called like the director because he's he's looking for help and how to get out. And it's so crazy how 
most movies feel the need to show you in flashbacks, like this is how they became who they are. And and this movie gives you a little bit of background on John Wick, but it doesn't like tell it to you. You basically get it by a conversation with John Wick and Angelica Houston about who owes who for what. But then as they're walking through her, I don't think it's a hotel that she has, but her, you know, ballerina place that she has, you can see the ballerinas training. You can see the wrestlers training and she drops a hint that he used to be here and this is where he trained and grew up. So you, you get more about John Wick, but it just feels so natural how they present it to you. Right. That could have been a very heavy handed scene of his background. And I'm glad it was as short as it was and the way they did that. I, I agree completely. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They they could have clearly shown like a, a, a blurry or not blurry screen, but like a, a fuzzy screen soap opera background where a young John Wick is wrestling in that room and being taught by somebody. But no, they just leave it as like this casual conversation. I think she even maybe drops a line of, I don't think it's like, does this bring back memories or remember this? But yeah. it's something along those lines where it is very clear that John is from here and trained here, but that's all you get. Yeah, it's not like... When you were dropped off at my doorstep because your parents were blah, 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 you know, and then gone down some, you know, I don't need to know his entire backstory to know that he was cool and trained here and that's where he learned how to fight. Yeah. I did think that it was interesting that he is, you know, from Angelica Houston's clan and his real name was like Jardani Jovanovich, I think it was. Uh, so he's clearly... Uh, I don't know if he's Russian or from Belarus or wherever they're all from. But I kind of always had this assumption in my head that while he worked for Russians, uh, he was American, almost like uh, just adopted into this world for whatever reason. And they've always had different people in this world, like different minorities and different backgrounds. And we get more of that in this movie where there's a Japanese crew or an Asian crew, I guess I should say. But um, it did kind of catch me off guard story wise that he's not like an American hero. He's truly a, a, you know, came from this Russian assassin group yeah and when they they burned they branded him you know when he turned in his uh i guess his colors if you will i thought there was going to be a place in the tattoo for that brand you know like he got the tattoo a specific reason and so it was placed perfectly into whatever whatever they do you know to say that you're you're no longer in it. Yeah, and I kind of assumed that that's what it was. We didn't get a good look at it, but clearly, I mean, exactly how you described it is exactly how it's supposed to play out in the movie, that once you punch in this ticket and you turn in this cross and they brand you with it, that uh, it, it can't ever be used again and your their debt is paid to you for, for for whatever reason. Yeah, sort of like the marker, but I thought they'd show the tattoo. But, but to me, it looked like they were just messing up his tattoo that he had, so... He wasn't. He oh, wasn't. He okay. wasn't part of them anymore. I got you. I, I just love how you know. In the first movie, we just had coins, and you 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 earn coins by killing or doing jobs, and you trade coins in for like cleaning up bodies or whatever favors you get. And then we get the the oath tokens in the second one, which is like a, a step up of like you swore something to somebody and did something, so now they owe you a debt. And then now we've got this other thing, which is like a a cross with a rosary that somehow gets you also an, an unlimited pass. Like there's just so many layers to this, like, and nobody can really probably quite fully explain it, but everybody gets it, which is the really cool. Well, I think thing. the markers make sense. You know, you owe somebody something significant. And so they owe you. I think the cross was just being a part of 
the clan. That's how I took it. Like, I'm one of you, and here's my here's my proof. If you don't remember, I'm showing you, and this is how I'm going to get out. But it also felt like she owed him, right? Because of that, like there's something there more than just like everybody gets one by default for coming from this house, unless you know the the underlying conversation is. I served as an assassin for you for so long that you, you, I get my one, you get your one thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I just love all of that. No, I agree. I agree. It's, it, it's awesome world building and it's, it's great that they keep adding to it, um, in subtle ways. You know, it's not just all of a sudden this new huge thing that changes the whole scope of why didn't they use that in the first one type of thing. Right. So speaking of that, what were your thoughts on the adjudicator and the high table? You can go in whatever order you want there, but I'm curious as to what you think about that. Because those are kind of the biggest two pieces that got added in this. Um, I like the idea uh, of the adjudicator basically you need somebody to follow the rules, you know, to enforce the rules, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess she's not really an enforcer other than more of a lawyer, I guess. Um. Or, or something an, like that, an yeah. investigator. But she also, yeah. Well, I think she's like it, it. I mean, I think she's an adjudicator, wow. right? So she comes <laughs> in, assesses <Judge> the situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she comes in, assesses the situation uh, on behalf of the high table, and kind of mediates it and doles out consequences or, I guess, rewards if that were to be the case. But she, yeah, she's kind of like the judge dread. She makes the decisions on behalf of the high table, and, and what she says goes. So her getting stabbed through the hands, I felt like, was a light punishment for what she did. Oh, Angelica Houston? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when you compare it to, you know, all she did was let John go uh, to Casablanca, whereas, uh, you know... Well, she got him safe passage. Right, right. But then you, you know, uh, Fishburn got seven slices, and that was for giving him a gun. Right. And, you know, they want to kill Winston for giving him an hour. Right. Giving him an hour that's the one that didn't seem to uh, add up when she actually act actively right. helped him get out. I thought, I thought at least she was yeah. going to get her hands chopped off, not just stabbed through. <laughs> I did too. So what, what do you think about the high table? Um, I liked it. I, I like the idea that it's kind of like leveling up in a video game where, you know, th there's always another big bad. There's always somebody higher up the food chain. Um, so it makes sense to me that you have to start kind of, Figuring that out. Um, I, I have a little bit, I like the rules that the high table puts in place. So in, in the first movie, we're kind of just thinking that the continental might be like this one and only place where this happens. But now we've got multiple hotels and we've got a high table and it runs everything and there's got to be somebody handing out those rules. So I, again, I just feel like the world's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I, and I like it. The, the elder kind of makes sense. I mean, I, I, I like the way they went with him because I, I didn't want it to be like this end all be all one bad guy to rule them all kind of situation, but it didn't really feel like that, even though I, I think that's, that's kind of what it is. For some reason, the elder gets to make all the rules, but uh, in general, I like the high table. I thought it was a, a, a cool ad. So the elder, well, while we were there, uh, he was an elder. <laughs> no, no. He's actually younger than, than John Wick, I believe. Um, yes, I think so. And so is he the head of the table? That was how it was portrayed to me because John goes to, so we'll have to backtrack here in a minute, but John goes to uh, Braun from Game of Thrones. Yeah. 
to try and figure out how he can meet the elder. And then he gives him this whole spiel about walk through the desert until you can't walk anymore because the elder is the only one that can uh, kind of forgive him of the sins that he's committed against uh, the rules of the high table. So yeah, my interpretation is that guy is the one that kind of hands down all the rules and makes all the final decisions. Is it weird that we, we met just him and not the table? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to think about that. I didn't know if like high table was conceptual in practice or who sits at not the high a, table. But yeah, table. we yeah we definitely um, there's a potential that we did leapfrog some people. So yeah, we I don't think we've been given the uh, org chart of the high <laughs> table quite yet. But we definitely went straight to the CEO with the elder. Yeah, for sure. yeah, we hit the the old master of coin with Braun, which I thought was was a cool job for him. Yeah, I, he didn't quite fit for me in the role for some reason. But I, I again, I like the idea that he is like he. You're insanely right, actually, with that uh, with that title because not only did he end up being master of coin in Game of Thrones, but he legit is the one making the coins in John Wick Three. Yeah, he didn't strike me as a finance guy. In really, it, no. really either in Game of Thrones nor, <laughs> sure. nor here, but. Yeah, to have him as as that guy who makes them, you know, I like that he's in it. I like him, but uh, yeah, kind of a different different kind of casting. I think would have been better there. Yeah, I feel like this is a movie where you can kind of cast anybody, and you can probably make it fit. But there's probably some slight improvements here and there that could have been made, and and Braun would have been on, and probably is on my short list of of casting changes that I would make. But backtracking up from the elder, since we kind of bounced around, we I, we got to talk about Halle Berry. Oh, I was going to get to Halle. She's that. she's one of my highlights. If if not if not the highlight, I think she Agreed. was fantastic. Um, I mean, she had a very limited role, but I think she made the biggest impact in this movie. Uh, I liked all the different ways that John Wick was fighting with different weapons, but the way that she fought with the dogs was amazing. Yeah. I can't. So I felt like I didn't know how they, they did this. So I read that she trained with the dogs for six months and they were actually obeying her commands. But like from a filming standpoint, I mean, those dogs are all doing what it is that they're doing there. And I, I was in awe of the action scene as it was presented to me on the screen. And I was in awe of the amount of coordination and training that it had to take to, to pull that off. My favorite was at the very end where they jumped through the window mm -hmm. and the second dog jumps through the front window and you can tell kind of by Hallie's face that she just had to go with it. Like it wasn't supposed to go yeah. through the front window. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, okay, well, how many times have we done this? But it jumped through the front window and then into the back seat and then they drove away. But uh, no, I thought everything about the the dogs and they're all grabbing the crotch and the arm, the arm with the gun and the fighting right in the chest. I just thought uh, everything they did there, just holding him long enough for her to pop him in the, in the head was just awesome. And she was just badass too. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a shame that she was saddled with Catwoman. that I think she kind of been blackballed <laughs> from movies like this. Yeah. Well, I would say that I, I'm usually not one that sits here and watches a, a movie and I'm like, Oh, I gotta have a spinoff of this or a spinoff of that. I'm usually the guy that's like, I, I'm fine. They'll, they'll give us what they'll give us. But I, I know there's a TV show coming set in the John Wick uh, world called The Continental, which, yes, please, I'll take more of that. And then I hope 
beyond hope that they give Halle Berry a spinoff with the dogs uh, because I would watch that all day long. Yeah. I mean, just scene after scene of her and her dogs attacking people. I mean. Yeah. I mean, just do John Wick. Three three hours later. With her. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it it was so good. Um, Really, she did a great job. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the way that they blend John Wick going through his stuff and her going through hers. But, you know, the dogs are either always biting the arms or the legs and it just gives her or the crotch. And it just is enough time for her to go pop the guy in the head and then move on to the next one. And then she would be like hiding behind walls and she would call out uh, an order for one of the dogs to go tackle this guy while she goes around the corner. I mean, it was just so freaking awesome how they did it. That's that's my I mean spoiler for our episode, but that's probably I think the best scene of the movie. And I didn't think we'd get it without John, but I mean, he was in there, but he did not make that scene. Yeah. So there's a couple of things inside that scene outside of Halle Berry and the dogs that I really liked. Uh, so I, I like the idea that they're going and, and begging Braun for access to uh, the, elder. the elder. Yeah. And then um, he asks in return for Halle Berry's dog. And she's like, no, that that's just not happening. So he, says I'm basically I'm going to take the dog one way or the other and shoots the dog and you can see Halle Berry just fuming and John's telling her like please don't please don't and then she just goes off and like shoots Braun starts killing everybody else and after they get done you know uh, I think she says something like he killed my dog he, and John shot goes, my dog yeah, yeah I, I get it yeah, yeah. yeah I get it <laughs> and then there's a uh, the scene where John runs out of ammo and so do the other two guys and it just becomes this really quick who can reload the fastest. And we all know John's going to win that battle, right. right? But he reloads fast enough to get both of them before he can, they can get anything at him. It's just, it's small stuff like that in this movie that it is just the attention to detail is unlike anything else. And normally you would think that having a good guy like constantly reload in a movie would, would be dumb, but it adds such a layer of realism that they, they work it in so beautifully. Like he's got to take cover or he runs out of ammo. So then he has to hit the guy with his gun and then pick up a new gun. Like it's, I can't even imagine the amount of time and effort it takes to fully coordinate these. Scenes. Well, I think it just adds a sense of professionalism because he's never shocked that he's out of, out of bullets. It's like, he almost always knows exactly how many he has. And so it's right. It just adds that professionalism of, Bam, 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 bam. Okay, reload. You know, and then just it just moves again methodically through every situation, and I think it just adds to the the mythos of John Wick of how how good he is in all things weapons. Yeah, I mean that's an excellent point. I hadn't even thought of that. I've always thought about the reloading, but I th- I feel like in all the John Wick movies, you never get that scene where he's shooting, 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 and then it's like a click, like he's caught off guard. Like It may happen in the first one, but I feel like in this movie, that never happened. He never got into a situation, like you said, where he was caught off guard by being empty. He knows, and he's got to reload now. Yeah, I think the closest that you get is that scene that you just talked about when none of them had any bullets left, but they're both holding their guns, and it's clear that they didn't have anything left. You know, And then it was the, uh, who can reload fastest? I think that's the closest you get to him not knowing how many bullets he has. Yep. And who knows, maybe he's he's reloading before he's out. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I will say uh we, I I don't want to jump here just yet, but the reloading that he does it, it later in the in the movie in like the lobby scene or whatever you want to call it in the Continental is just is stupid. How how cool the that shotgun. is. Yeah. 
Uh, and then of course I went and geeked out and watched YouTube videos of him training and like, he's actually doing those reloads. It's th- th- just more of a reason to love this movie, but I, I did want to get it. Ex- <laughs> yeah. And Keanu, I mean, who doesn't love Keanu? I mean, and if you didn't love him, then go read all the stories about like how good of a person he actually is in real I life. And to, it, it's hard to not send to like you down a rabbit hole. I apologize for that comment. <laughs> You're about to yeah. deviate in the life story of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> well, when he was born, <laughs> Okay, but where I was going to ask you about is like around this time is where we kind of get introduced to the Japanese assassins. Well, and we kind of talked about that. I guess we skipped over it actually because when Angelica Houston gets her hand sliced, that's the Japanese guys are already there. And I say Japanese because that's how they, I picture the sushi scene where he's wearing the Japanese headband and doing that. But the Asian assassins, right? Like that are borderline ninjas. What did you think about those guys, and what did you think about the the head guy? So I think his name was Zero, um, and I know he's played by Mark Dacascos, who played the Crow in a TV series, and played uh, he was in Double Dragon, the movie. That's what I remember. Iron, Iron from. Chef. Iron Chef, yes, him. Yeah, um, I loved the ninjas, uh, and how they truly seemingly came out of nowhere, and they were. I want to watch it again because they were there, but I didn't see them. You know, and a lot, and a lot right. of the scenes, like hiding in the in the top corner, and they drop down and kill somebody. I, I loved uh, mm-hmm. the addition of the ninjas. What I didn't love is that John Wick could do that too. Like all of a sudden, yeah. he could disappear. You know, in the crowd like that, which like that would have been very handy in previous movies. So I kind of took that to be that he is the best assassin because he knows all the tricks. Now, whether he uses them all at any given time, you know, maybe not, but like he's a master of the same thing that they're a master of, or if it's knives, he's a master of knives or, you know, like he, that's why he is. John I, I think that would have been a cool thing for them to have alone, you know, that adds something to them. They still a better fighter, but they can do this disappearing thing because to me, it felt very uh, star Wars episode one of speedy jedi you know we've never we've never <laughs> yeah. seen speedy fast jedi and they never use it again but it's like why why couldn't they do that before you know you're adding these new new powers that could have been very handy in john wick one in the nightclub you know him disappearing in the nightclub you know something like that it's just Sh- sure it didn't, i didn't like that he could do that but i love that they could do that yeah and that's so there's a lot of things you can pick apart with this movie. Like, why didn't he use that then? Or why do they let him up when they're fighting instead of well, killing well that, him? And I know some of that's explained. That I like, I mean, that was more of a, they all looked up to him. You know, they wanted to fight him. You sure. Know, kind of almost a quote unquote fair fight, but not at the same time. And so they re- that, that was a mutual respect right. thing. So I was okay with that part. And he, and he, and he paid it back too. Right. And there's also things like though, when I think when he's first, running away maybe in the beginning like he gets hit by a couple of cars and instead of them just running over john wick they i forget what they do they they chase him into the building or something like that or when he's on the motorcycle and he doesn't have any weapons they're they're chasing him down on their motorcycles with swords even though they have guns because he reaches over and grabs it like there's a there are some things in john wick that you clearly have to look past logic wise because you know we could all come up with ways of how would it be easier to just kill one guy but the beauty of john wick i think is that the rest of it is just so cool that you don't feel the need to like pick apart some of that stuff and that's one of those things where it's like yeah could he have used that skill 
earlier in this movie or in previous movies. Yeah, but it was just a style thing that they added, and you know, it's cool. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the car thing. The the thing that bothered me about the car, him, him getting hit by the cars, is they don't jump out immediately. You know, that he he's on the ground. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they like sit in their cars, and then once he runs away, they get out. It's like they could have just jumped out right there. But that was a on that scene. Yeah, or or like I said, just just run him just over. Just keep running him over. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I, there's there's things like that that exist in this that you could nitpick all day I did, long. I but. mean, I liked again, I liked the addition of the ninjas and being ninjas. I just didn't. I thought it'd be better if he was beating them despite their cool trick. Right, and, and he didn't use it much. Right, he he only did it like I think twice to the the main guy, like where they're walking through the glass and he disappears, and then one time he comes out of the shadow. So it's not like he he used it an abundance of times. It was just kind of like this stylistic thing to say, the tables have turned and I I can do what you we can did do. did it in the, the train station to get away. And that's really where the, oh yeah, handy. A lot of other scenes when people are chasing you, trying to kill sure. you. Sure. What did you think of Zero himself though? Because uh, I, I have some thoughts on him and how that character was, but what, what did you think about like his personality? I liked him. Uh, my wife absolutely did not. Um, he was kind of a fanboy. Yeah. And brought a little bit of levity to the movie that you could go one way or another with that. Um, I probably need to see it again before I truly land on where I am. I was okay with it. Um, I like him. Um, okay. She, she absolutely despised that. She, it took her out of the movie when he sat directly next to John on the couch. And then yeah. his comments throughout and just the way that he was more giddy about the fight and things like that. Um, that didn't bother me as much as it did her. Okay. That's, that's interesting. So I actually thought you would have a problem with it. Cause you normally like your bad guys to be, uh, very bad and intimidating. And you know, your, your stances, uh, trademark villains make the movie. And while I thought zero was cool, I thought you would have rather him played, been played more sinister, uh, than what he did. Uh, I thought it would actually take you out of the movie a little bit. And, and so, for me, it actually, I like the sitting close, um, and I like the respect that was there, but the, you, you use the perfect word, you, you kind of took it right out of my mouth, but the fanboyish nature of it kind of just felt just like slightly over the top, and especially for somebody who's Japanese, I, I, I would have, I think, rather have seen that angle played as more of a, of a, like a true respect kind of thing, like, you can still play that I'm a big admiral you know, I admire you and I respect you, but have it be more of like the honor thing than like the, the geek out fanboy. Cause there's one time where he like gets really big. guys like, I am such a fan or whatever. It's like, Oh yeah. yeah there were a couple that. of lines that were overdone. Um, I kind of liked the, uh, the part of the fanboy thing. Cause he was a different character. He wasn't stereotype, you know, of the, the honor. He's, yeah. Cause I think you kind of mm-hmm. got that in the previous John Wick movies with their bad guys, you know, with common and even with the, uh, Oh, was it Ruby Rose type of thing? Oh yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I think he kind of had that already. And so this was just a, a different type of villain. And just because I do think villain makes the movie for sure. But I mean, Hans Gruber isn't overly serious and he's fantastic. Sure. One of the top Five before I start ranking, um, but yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's one of the best villains of all time. Uh, but 
I thought I thought it was okay. There again, a couple lines I would have cut out. Um, I thought the him the conversation with him being stabbed, you know, with the sword through him, could have been written differently, but still had that same scene. Mm-hmm. You're talking about where he says like, uh, "Hey, that was a good yeah, fight, right?" That was a good, John's like, that was yeah. a good fight. Yeah, I felt like the dialogue there was was weak, but you could have had him still said something there that would have right. made that scene a little bit better. Did you like? Did you like the Zero fight better or the fight with the two raid guys better? Well, I know which one you're going to pick. Um, <clears throat> as as <laughs> soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, Garrett just gave this a nine stars. <laughs> they're they're both from the raid. The the one guy is in both raid movies and the other guy is only in raid right. two. Yeah. Um, but Keanu is so huge compared to them. It was kind of awkward watching oh, yeah. him try to, try to fight them because they were so much smaller. Like he looked almost awkward at that point. He never did the rest of the movie, but during that those fights, he looked kind of awkward doing it. Yeah, I mean, he probably was uh, almost in uh, like proportion to what he was to the <laughs> right, giant right. earlier. They were to <laughs> to him. Uh, what did you think about the the sheer number of glass cases he got thrown through in that Ridiculous. last fight? I mean, <laughs> it, it was. was. I mean, no different than what the mirror room in in two. I mean, it's like every uh-huh. supervillain has their their mirror maze, you know, from Enter the Dragon. I did like that they explained this. Like, instead of just having a hall of mirrors, just to have a hall of mirrors, they're like, hey, this is the administration room, and everything is clear so that we can see what is going on. Like, you're not going to sneak any weapons in here. There's no hiding anything. Like, this is so why we have a bunch this. of glass skulls that are around for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you knew going into that room that it was going to go down in that room later, right? I mean, did, did that shock anybody? I mean, you don't build that room. Well, no, and it was in the, the trailer. Have the ones? Uh, was it? I don't. I tried not to watch a lot of the trailer because I knew I knew I was in anyway. Oh well, yeah, yeah. They showed him and Zero kind of squaring off. I, I don't. Maybe they didn't show faces, but I think they you could tell from silhouettes like what was going down a little bit if you just kind of knew who was who. But yeah, you knew some big fight was going on in there. Yeah. So, I mean, sure, you need a change of scenery, I guess. Yeah. You mentioned um, over-the-top delivery of lines, which leads me to Larry again. What did you think about... Uh, he was definitely trying to chew up some screen there. Well, you know, there are no small, small parts, only small actors. And he's he's not small anymore. <laughs> no, no. He's double the Morpheus. <laughs> he, is, he is too Morphei, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and that... Uh, you, know, you only get... You only got what? Maybe 10 lines, he's going to use them. Oh, yeah. I mean, he went all out. The king. He likes calling himself the king. You know, he just <laughs> he ate that up. <laughs> yeah. It was a little much for me at times, but I, I'm okay with it. I mean, I, I think for the same reason you said you were kind of okay with uh, Zero, uh, it's like, yeah, you know, not everybody has to be ultra serious in these movies. And, you know, he he's a guy who <laughs> believes that his pigeons are the equivalent of the internet and he controls a horde of guys who pretend to be homeless people but are really a part of this assassin network so yeah I, i'm good with it yeah I, I didn't have a problem with him i th- i thought it fit the character that he set up in the last movie and then someone yeah. someone trying and to I, I, knock him off his throne he's not gonna have any of it yeah and, and i'm glad he's around for john wick 4 for sure yes are you pissed off john <laughs> that was an interesting way to end the the movie, but you know, I, it's coming from from Fishburne, so okay, let's do it. <laughs> but that so the whole combo, you know, Matrix reunion 
reminds me of yeah i mentioned this earlier but that the lobby fight so after they lock winston in the vault and him and i forget the guy's name charon i think it is the uh the concierge, concierge yeah they go out to fight yeah they go out to fight all the round table bad guys that are being sent in and there's there's some key things that are super matrixy one is winston asks john what he needs and he says guns lots of guns which is right. straight from the matrix and then they go into a lobby fight that's like green tinted, full of uh, armor clad guys with assault rifles. So it's like I, I I assume that that was all done on purpose, like that they were kind of like, hey, here's our modern version of the lobby shootout from the Matrix, which was done awesomely. I loved how the armor piercing bullets didn't work, and that he had to shoot them in the neck, like pull up their their helmet and shoot them in the back yep. of the neck, like that was awesome. And I'm yep. a big uh, shotgun guy, like video games and movies and anytime I get my hands <laughs> yeah. on a shotgun, you know, that's, that's my weapon of choice. And when they were tearing them apart with the shotguns, that was a thing of beauty. Oh yeah. That, that was done so well. Again, like he comes out and he's shooting these guys and you know, I like how they also put out the other guys from the continental to go fight and they all got mowed down in like seconds. So it's not that, you know, and I'm sure those guys are pretty good because they're running security for the Continental, but it just shows you, like, they all suck compared to John. But I liked yeah, how... it's next level stuff. Yeah, but I liked how even once he realized that he couldn't really kill them very easily, it was like his goal was to hit each guy with, like, three or four bullets and knock him down for a minute so that he could move on to the next guy and then come back and get that guy. So he was... He knew he couldn't just kill them by shooting him, but he was almost like he knew that he could stun them for a little bit by hitting him with three or four bullets and then move on to the next guy and just buy himself enough time. Well, I feel like that's what he's always done. You know, even from the first movie of he'll shoot them and then he'll come back through and finish them off type of thing. True. And so it's like, I'm going to demobilize as best I can. But this one, you know, it was it was clear that he knew that they weren't dead or even hurt so much as stunned, like you mentioned. Yeah. And uh, yeah, to come back through and then open up their visor and shoot him in the face. So good. <laughs> and then he goes, like you said, and gets the shotgun in the first time. Because I really wasn't quite sure what was going to happen, right? Because he, they go in, and again, it's kind of the natural humor of the movie. Winston's sitting there just on the couch chilling, and John and uh, Charon come back in. And he's like, armor piercing, huh? And he's to get the the next shotgun slugs that are armor piercing. And I was kind of like, okay, is this going to work better or not? And then the first guy John hits is just like a watermelon splash. His head just goes just all over the place. Like, oh. Yeah, that was not. So part of me wondered if they were going to have the same problem and they'd have to go back and get even bigger guns. I didn't know if they were going to go back to the well there. But yeah, he he lit that first guy up, and you're like, okay, game on. Yeah. Oh man. So were you? Waiting, I love that. Were scene. you waiting for Winston to do something? Um, no. I, I the only times I ever expected Winston to do anything is I there was like three times where I thought he was going to shoot the adjudicator, and it didn't happen. But I didn't expect him to go out and fight in that in that crowd. See, so part of me th- was waiting for him to do something. The other part of me was dreading it. Of are they get, oh, are sure. they gonna make him try to be cool John Wicky or are they you know just gonna leave him to the side and not do anything because I felt like he has yeah. you don't get to that point by not having that skill set but also I don't know what Ian Ian can do at his age you know <laughs> yeah How I, I'm glad they look. stayed away from it yeah and there there was something that. Uh, you you'll be able to get this. I can't think of it of where it's from. 
and I feel like I don't know why Tarantino is in my head, but where they talk about the, uh, or maybe it's uh, Simpsons. <laughs> it's either Tarantino or the Simpsons. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think it is the Simpsons. Uh, where he's talking about, you know, that uh, the small guy, the small Chinese guy in the back hasn't done anything yet, and you know it's going to be really cool when he does. You know, because he's just standing there watching the big mob, fight, uh-huh. and then they go inside, and then you hear hi. And then he's like, oh, <laughs> the guy that hasn't done anything yet is really going to do something cool. And I thought that's kind of what I was waiting for Ian to do. And uh, uh, he he didn't. But I think I'm glad he did not. Yeah, I'm glad too, especially after seeing Charon go out there and, and do some some gun shooting. I mean, I, I like that they didn't play him to be uh, like a, a super badass. I think they just played him to be like, OK, he's competent with a gun and can get around. But yeah, I, I would not have wanted to see uh, Ian McShane out there trying to do anything. I think that would just would have taken me out of the element a little bit. So we, we, we kind of made our way all the way through. So we're at the end. So what are you, what is your read? Because I I've, I've read a little bit after this and I think everybody seems to be 50, 50. What is your read on the end? Did uh, Winston really try to kill John or was he, intentionally shooting him in places where he knew he'd be protected by his armor and he didn't want to kill him. See, at first, after the first shot, I thought he was, you know, being trickster, whatever. I'm still on John's side. But then after he dumped over the side of the building, I'm like, nope, he just flat out turned on him. I'm with you. I tend to lean more towards the fact that he he completely you know, turned on him. And I, I think that's the way I want the movies to go. As much as I really liked the relationship, between Winston and John through the first two movies. And even in this one, because after John gives up his finger to the, to the elder and uh, they say, Hey, you got to go kill Winston to, to get back in our good graces, but you're never going to be out of this. You'll be in this forever. And then Winston gives him this big whole speech. is like, Hey, is that really the person you want to be? Is that what your wife would want you to be? So it's like Winston is the one really kind of talking him into having some sense again. So you really like that respect and that relationship that's there. So it's kind of, you know, kind of a letdown in the end to be like, oh man, did he really just turn on him? And then of course the the wheels start turning. Like, was was it fake? Was it not? Because Winston would know that John's wearing bulletproof armor and all that kind of stuff. So I'm still not totally convinced that it it's not a ruse, but I feel like it's real. I think he played him, and I think that's why he's teaming up with Larry. You know, I don't think Ian's a friend anymore. So in that case, though the Continental is going to be back in the good graces of the high table. So it'll be consecrated again. And then it's basically loaded up with a fish burn. Yeah. And, but now it's basically Fishburne and, and John wick or what, what is his name? The Bowery King, the Bowery King and John wick teaming up, I guess, to go take on the high table again. Let's be real. Is Larry really going to do anything? No, no, I don't. I mean, he'll be the Winston, right? He'll be the one coordinating, getting John the supplies, but he's not going to actually go do anything. What I would be interested to see is one, if Halle Berry comes back and then two, if, uh, because of the mutual respect that he had with the raid guys and they no longer have a leader, if they'll kind of get in the fold with John Wick or if he's still going to stay like a one man wrecking crew. You have to bring Halle back, right? I mean, she shot the master of coin, so she's got to be on the outs. I mean, she's got to be excommunicado, you right? Think so, I mean that that can't be legal. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, right? So, I guess you just get a whole bunch of excommunicado people together, and you start your own little See, 
system Ego mission and, impossible of uh disavowed yeah it's what it seems like yeah <laughs> no I'm, I'm, and I'm fine with that i'm fine with that too you get hallie back one way or another and i'm i'm in yeah and i think that's the good thing is that you look at these movies and every time they've managed to make it a little bit bigger uh you know you could argue a little bit better i, I i'm in the camp that that two was a little bit of a step down but I think it for me it was because I think the action was a little less and I think they focused more on world building and it, it kind of slowed it down at times and it just couldn't keep up with like the kinetic energy of one and three. But I think that it's clear that they know how to do action, they they know how to do world building, and they're they, they have lots of ideas because I think everything they've put out has seemed to be like a pretty cool and fresh idea. So I, I have all the faith in the world that four will be just as good as the others. See, and I think the the issue with two is they tried to do almost almost too much backstory, you know, too much exposition on what's going on. When three, they kind of figured out the formula. So I'm excited for four because I think it's going to be action, and then they they let you know what's going on throughout. You know, not not as much a one on one. Let's sit here and talk type thing. Yeah, I agree. I, I think what happened is with, with one, they didn't expect to have this be a franchise. I think they just made a movie because they wanted to. And so when they figured out how popular it was and they went to go make two, I think they felt like, okay, we've got this momentum going and there's probably going to be another one after this. So let's make it bigger and like start to expand. And they went a little too deep in that. Like you said, I think basically I think two was the first thought that they might have a world of a franchise that they have to set up. And I think they got lost in that a little bit. And then three, they're like, okay, now that we've kind of done this, let, let, let's hone the formula a little bit. That's what I think happened. You know, two reminded me of Blade One. <laughs> because it, it's, it's very dark. It, it was like they introduced the high table and too much of that. Like they're trying to go too fast. You know, and yeah, showed you I know, all, I know exactly the, what you're saying. All the leaders and, and whatnot and Deacon and, you know, all that stuff. And then um, they it, almost paying themselves in a the corner of nowhere else to go because you already killed somebody from the high table. You already killed two people from the high table, if you will. And uh, then they backed down a little bit and just made it kind of this off in the distance high table. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a good comparison. I don't know that anybody else will be able to follow that that <laughs> listens to the podcast. I don't care. But I actually, yeah, I actually know exactly what you're saying and meaning by that. And I, I can't quite like articulate it, but uh, I totally agree with that. Go watch Blade 1 and then, and then John Wick 2. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've gushed about this one enough. Um, I feel like we just, you know, fanboyed all over this movie for a solid hour now. So I, I think uh, I think I'm running out of things to say. I concur. I am Thor, son of Odin. As long as there is life in my breast, I am running out of things to say. Are you ready? So what'd you rate it and why? I gave it a five stars. I Wow, I, five I, stars. Five, yeah. I uh, I loved the first one. I gave the first one five. The second one got a four from me. I thought it, it took a little bit, like we talked about, uh, of a, a sequel downswing. Uh, but this, start to finish, I mean, nonstop. And just, it was new, it was fresh. You'd think that after three movies of him just killing people, that 
that w might get a little old or you might get one or two takeaway kills but this whole thing i mean you're, you're killing people all sorts of cool ways and i know that <laughs> i know that's a weird weird thing to celebrate but that's it was just uh it, it was awesome it was refreshing it kept me engaged uh, i liked the again the, the world building um i'm in i i am locked in so hit me with you, hit me with you four. can't <laughs> you, you can't see me right now but i have a lone tear rolling <laughs> down my cheek right now it just I, i'm so proud uh well th this is actually funny because as much as kind of keanu and john wick is my thing um i give it a four and a half I, I don't get that. I saw that on Letterbox, and I don't get that. I mean, it's, this is an, in the action genre. This is an action movie, and I don't know what you could do better. Yeah, you know, it's so here's the thing. I'm, like, crazy stingy with my fives. Like, and, and the fives for me are, like, total gut reactions of uh, I walk out, and I, I just know it's a five. And I, I don't know how to explain it, but if you look at my Letterbox ratings, like, I just don't give very many fives and that's just a i think it's a personality flaw with me because i love john wick i gave john wick one four and a half i gave john wick three four and a half and i gave john wick two a four so i i think it's just me that it's just how i am I, there's no other way to say it but i agree with you it's a fantastic action movie um you know a five-star action movie for me is is the raid and uh, this is insanely close to that this has I, to I just, be better I than I, the raid i think there, oh man i don't know yeah i the raid has no plot. I mean, it's oh, get to the top. Yeah, it has some really cool. I know, but that really that's, cool fight that's what I, makes I it really cool fight scenes. But so does this, you know, and, yeah, and unique I, I know. and different. And I don't see how this couldn't be higher than the raid, or at least at the same level. I uh, it might get there. I need another viewing. Okay. But the raid, the raid. I knew when I walked out of the theater, and as I was watching, I was like, "This is one of the greatest things I've ever seen," and. I, I thoroughly enjoyed John Wick and it is one of the best action movies I think I've ever seen. It's just for some reason, like that, that gut feel of like, Oh yeah, this is a five just, just wasn't quite there. And that the only thing that gets something from like a four and a half star to a five in my book is just like that initial reaction in the gut that tells me that it's a five. And I, and I didn't get that with this, uh, but that's not to say that it's not just a freaking awesome movie. Yeah, I, just walking out, I was I was at that level. I was like, that was so cool. There's so many scenes I just said that was so cool that I was just in. Now, I don't believe there are any perfect movies. I think there's always something that you can do to improve a movie. So, you know, the I guess you could call it a sixth star for a perfectly <laughs> made movie. I don't I don't think it exists. <laughs> you know, so you have the, your top yeah. top of genre. You know, and if you break it down in percentiles, you know, through is it's definitely a five star movie to me. You will not hear me argue with you about that. I, I would not blame anybody for giving this five stars, and, and I might eventually give it that as well. But uh, four and a half for now. So, so what was your? Uh, I think you mentioned this, but what was your favorite moment? The knife fight at the beginning of the movie was just so good. That was good. That was good, and that was that was ended up being number two for me. All right. So then, what's one? The dogs, Hallie and the yeah, dogs. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dags. I mean, pick your poison in this movie. There's a there's a little bit of fight goodness for everybody, so it's just yeah. I will not complain about the dogs. I, those are the two I was going between the knife fight and and the dogs. Just so cool. Yep. So, what would you change? I didn't have a lot to pick from on this, um, and I actually we we talked about it earlier. Small thing, but the the, the fanboyness of zero. I just I, 
it kind of it kind of stuck in me a little bit where I was like, oh, I just like I liked sitting really close to him and I like admiring him. That was all funny, but like just the 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 true like wide eyed fawning over him. I was like, oh, oh okay. So I, I'm nitpicking. That's why I had to go with zero. Okay, I went with the uh, the whole elder thing. The okay. second star of the right and straight on till morning, you know, just walk into the desert. Yeah. I, I thought, oh, that was dumb. Uh, I was fine with the actual scene once he got there. Um, but uh, just a, a guy on a camel happened to be walking by. It's not like the elder sought him out. You know, it just, I thought that was pretty, pretty dumb. I, I felt like that was the mythology going a bit much that like basically, see, I, I interpret it as like the camel guy is like a patrol guy for the elder, uh, that the elder always has somebody out there. And if he wants to pick you up and talk to you, then he will. And if not, he'll leave you there to die. And he wanted to talk to John wick. So he had the camel guy pick him up. Yeah. Uh, that was, I know because he happened to write to walk in the exact right direction. I don't know. Well, he had to follow that star is what he said. Yeah. Follow the star. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I think that's a, a it's probably so, a little bit of the, the, the mythology overstepping itself a little bit. And, you know, make the elder elder. <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and segue into the casting change because <laughs> that was my thing. Um, I I had the same thought. I'm like, yeah, this guy is not really who I would have pictured. I, I definitely think you need to stick with somebody Middle Eastern, but somebody older and somebody who's actually, I guess, kind of a little bit scary. That guy doesn't scare me. And I think that's because of Wonder Woman lately. Um, so I, I did like this weird Game of Thrones rotation. So I said, uh, take the guy who was the elder and give him bronze roll. And okay. so he becomes the master of coin. And then I took a guy who uh, was from Game of Thrones, the the Dornish, I think, he, I don't know if he's the prince or the king of Dorn, um, who get, Dorn Martell, who gets killed by uh, Elia Martell. Uh, he sat in the chair all the time. Yeah. I think he might have been. Yeah, I want that guy in as the elder. Interesting. Yeah. The other guy I considered was the bald bad guy from Iron Man 1. Not, not, uh, not, not Jack Bridges. <laughs> not I was, I was like, I was like, why are you thinking? <laughs> no, <Bridges>? but <laughs> the guy who Obadiah yeah, uh, plays the thing in his ear. Yeah, going off. Yeah, yeah. I needed somebody who was Middle Eastern, but like older and could strike a little bit of fear into you. Because I saw this guy, and I was like, "You're not scary to me." See, I I thought that had gone too sinister. He's more right hand man kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I I think when I think of the elder of the high table of this League of Assassins, if you will. Uh, I don't think sinister scary. I think more of the guy that we got, just not, you know, his age. Okay. But like that conversational type thing, like he's a reasonable man, you know, cause he's a leader of men, not a slaughterer of people. Right. And that, and that's where I went with the guy from game of Thrones instead, because I figured he was the kind of guy that would, you know, be able to maneuver people more like Winston, but just on, you know, at a higher level, as opposed to like the, the Iron Man guys a little bit more just intimidating. Right. Right. So what was your casting change then? The adjudicator. Oh, okay. Got rid of her. And why not? This makes no sense. Why not uh, throw in Trinity there? <laughs> There's already been people talking about that. That you've got uh, Morpheus, you've got Neo. You actually the the Chinese doctor is the key maker from uh, the sequels. Oh, so he? yeah, you you could throw yeah <laughs> you could throw in Trinity in there. I mean, what a perfect role for her. I mean, she doesn't have to be. She doesn't do anything, you know. But she also can be somewhat intimidating. I mean, she's not doing anything. She was in 
uh, Netflix Marvel series for like four episodes. I mean, why not throw Trinity a bone? Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. And I think uh, I actually thought that they might pull from another movie too, uh, Atomic Blonde, that the other director did and, and throw Charlize in there. Because I think she's proven she could shave her head and look like a badass as Furiosa. Yeah. So you could throw her in there. You know what's funny is she was my first choice. And then I immediately went to, to Trinity and I was like, you know, you could actually use Charlize as an assassin. You don't need her as an yeah. adjudicator that does nothing. Do you think the adjudicator will always do nothing? Um, yes. I think so, too. I think that's why she was recruiting other people. She seems like, again, like we talked about the Elder, Winston, the Bowery King, like they, they have power, but they don't necessarily have the skills. The skill set. Yes. All right. What award did you give this movie? <sighs> I'm going to have you go first. Oh, okay. I gave it the best action movie since the Raid films. The best action movie since the Raid films. So, yep. not including the Raid. Right. Since the Raid films. Yes, which is high praise because the Raid 1 and 2, I mean, you can say what you want about your problems with the, the plot of Raid 2, and, and I will listen to that and understand that. But the way the fighting in Raid 1 and Raid 2 is filmed is, it is truly the pinnacle of how to film action scenes. It's even better than than The Matrix. I mean, it, it took things up a level and people just haven't been able to replicate it until John Wick. Uh, they've figured it out. They they know how to film. I still don't think they've done it to quite the technical level of Gareth Evans in the raid, but they are right below him. Interesting. Okay. I'm going with the best Keanu movie. Ooh. Interesting. Hmm. So you better than the Matrix? Better than the Matrix. Better than wow. Speed. Better than your beloved Point Break. Yeah. Bill and Ted. I I, ugh, I don't think I could do that. You're you're, you're hanging on that. the nostalgia too much. It is no the 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 Matrix is is so good. It's so good. I think if you didn't have the uh, the sequels, I would agree with you. But, <laughs> well, you could you could take a movie uh, standalone. You don't have to have the sequels ruin it it. it. it it did though, it did though. Much like the uh, finale of Game of Thrones tainted the rest of the series. <laughs> you know, it, it's still very good, still very high. But I I had had some thoughts about this. I I think I enjoyed this movie more than any other Keanu Reeves movie, including the hey, including listen. the replacements. Listen, listen, listen. You're you're here talking, gushing over Keanu. I know. I'm not going to stand in the way. <laughs> I, I mean, I, again, I, I am so happy. I mean, I can't wait until there's a movie later on in the podcast sometime where you gush this much about Ryan Gosling, because then my life will be complete. Well, I will say, though, is I am not on board with him being Wolverine like you have suggested in the past. <laughs> I'm not there. I only said that because there. he met, did you watch the video that I tweeted where he's doing the BuzzFeed interview? He said, they asked him if you could be a Marvel or DC uh, superhero, who would you want to be? He said, I grew up loving Wolverine. So that would be the one I would pick. Yeah. He's not Wolverine, but no, I, there's no way they're going to make Keanu Reeves Wolverine. I just, I like the answer. <laughs> it's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, so if you liked this movie, you would also like, I had a hard time with this. Um, because while the fight scenes replicate movies, like you mentioned of the raid, you know, of it's straight on fighting all the time, but it's a better movie than movies like the raid. So it, 
it's over here in this genre over here. It's a good mesh of both, which I don't think we've we've gotten before. Uh, you know, I, Atomic Blonde popped in my head, but I don't think that mm-hmm. they equate very well. Uh, there's some great scenes in that, but it's not a a fighting movie, I don't think. No, there's a lot more spy stuff going on in Atomic Blonde. I agree with you. And so, I mean, I didn't have a great comparison because I think it, it's a great mesh of these two worlds of actually great story and awesome fighting. And so I I took those two movies and I squished them together and then you get John Wick. So you don't have a recommendation? You don't, you're not going to tell people anything? Oh, I mean, I think you, if you like the only the fighting side of it, then uh, obviously The Raid is a good, good complement to that. I mean, you've been gushing about that already. So I feel like mm-hmm. you took the wind out of my, my sails there. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but as far as the, the world building of this assassin culture, uh, I don't think I can put something on that level. I mean, you have movies like Wanted, which I think could be cool, but it's not as cool at all. Sure. Um, and so I don't want to say, gosh, if you love John Wick, go watch Wanted, because you'd be like, oh, really? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Thanks. Yeah. Ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, there's just things that, that this does that I can't, I couldn't find a good, a good spot for it. Okay. I mean, that's right. I struggled a little bit, but it sounds like we were tinkering with the same movie. So I, I went really back and forth with three movies. Uh, the Raid because of the action scenes. And and I do think the raid, it does give you a little bit of a plot. It's not like the world building that, that, that John wick does, but it, you know, there's a thread about his brother and why he does what he does. And it, things do kind of slowly evolve in the raid in natural ways. Um, I almost put the raid too, because it does go for the world building, um, pretty hard. And I think that's where it stumbles. So that's what brought me back in. I even thought about the matrix because it does have some of the greatest action scenes of all time and world building and a big story. So I think you can make a case for any of those. I, I just kept it simple with the raid because it is the best action that I've seen. I think if you liked John wick three, like you had to like the action on some level because that's, it's so in your face. Well, so I went with I mean, the raid you one didn't like the action then you didn't like the movie. Well, that's what I'm saying. So clearly you're a, a fan of that kind of action on some level if you like the movie. So then I'm I'm willing to say that you would like the raid because while the raid is skimpier on plot, it does a little bit of stuff here and there with like who's who and the brother and everything. But then it's a lot of action in your face, which you should thoroughly enjoy. I, I'd be hard pressed to imagine somebody sees John Wick and then watches the raid and, and says like, Oh, I didn't like that. Like you might not like the story, but surely the action you'd be like, Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. No, I agree. I, I mean, I was right there with you. Yeah. Hey, you, you know me and most everybody who has talked movies with me knows that one, I love Keanu. And if I'm comparing something to the raid, then it's, I, I consider it high praise. You consider it a four and a half for some reason. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Need to get you back out yeah, to yeah. old blue springs a for a second viewing and uh, change that. <laughs> you know, promptly. Hey, we have a long weekend this weekend with Memorial day. I, I might go see John wick three again. That's that'd be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that does it right. I think we, we've gushed enough. We're in, we are in. All right. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? What's your, what's your handle at Carson graph. Yep. And I'm at two views, Garrett G a R R E T T because nobody ever spells my name. Right. So I have to spell it for you. Uh, you can find us 
at at two views movies as well on Twitter and Facebook. Definitely go out, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Those help us out tremendously. And if you want to talk movies, just hit us up on Twitter, Facebook or uh, two views movies at gmail.com. Next week we have Brightburn. Ooh, I'm excited for that, but cautiously excited. Yes, that is a, a perfect way of saying that. Cautiously excited. So Brightburn is next. We will catch you next time. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both?